0: We get people go crazy if we don't record. You know, they're like, where is it on SoundCloud? You didn't post it. We get like 60 listens a week usually on SoundCloud and shares. And so we haven't even done a very good job with that. We've got to do better with that. But um, anyway, it's all good. So the teachings are up on SoundCloud. You need me to switch that for you? All right, let me switch that. Like magic. There it is. Technical magic. So, we're doing a teaching on truth. And um, the idea behind this is uh, just trying to get the Christian to understand uh, fundamental truths and ways that we need to think. You know, we are part of a system. I don't know if you're aware of that. Jesus said, You're in the world, but you're not of it. So, when the Bible is talking about a world, it's not using the world, the word world as a physical place it uses a Greek word called cosmos or cosmos and it means system so what the scripture is telling us is that you are part of a system but you are not of that system that's what the bible is telling us and primarily the type of system that we find within the world is a system of thinking so we are part we find ourselves in a world that is a system of thinking, a way of thinking. But what the Bible is telling us is that we are not part of that world. So what the scripture teaches the believer is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And really what that means is that our transformation comes by changing the way that we think. Right? We begin. We are trained as Christians. We're not to have the mind of the world. We're to have the mind of Christ. We're to be united. We are to think from heaven to earth. But we are also to think the way that the Bible teaches us to think. We're to ki- think from kingdom perspectives. <clears throat> All things are possible. is what the Bible says. So we have to think according to kingdom perspectives. Would, uh, Sugar Ray, would you grab me a bottle of water? Thanks, man. <laughs> oh, never mind. I got one. Thanks, man. Thank you. His name's Raymond, but I call him Sugar Ray, so... Somebody like, Sugar Ray Leonard's here? I'm like, no. No, just my friend Sugar Ray. Anyway, so we have to think along kingdom perspective. So today we're going to talk about, that's what we've been teaching the last few weeks It's just been about who God is and thinking and understanding who he is, thinking and understanding where, where sin comes from, where evil comes from, what the authority of the believer is. We have to think according to the promises. We have to understand um, all of these things. And this is a big part of it is that the reason why Jesus came and, the, and what this is significant is, is this relates directly back to our identity. Jesus came for a lot of reasons. There's 21 times, 21 different claims in the scripture of why Jesus said he came. Or where the Bible points to why he came. And so Jesus says, I came to, I came to destroy the works of the, level, the devil. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to give his life away. He came to bring abundant life. He came to preach the kingdom. He came to bear witness of the truth. Those are just a few of them. What we would say in theological terms is those are subpoints. There is an arcing point or a main point in which the sub-points come under. What was the main point that he came to do? The main thing he came to do was to reveal the Father. That is the number one thing he came to do, to reveal to us the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus refers to this type of talking all the way through. He says, All things are delivered to me by my Father, and no, and no one knows the Son but the Father, neither can any know the Father except by the Son, and who the Son reveals them to. So Jesus came to reveal the Father. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Right? So the point was to bring us to the Father. Jesus Jesus tells his disciples, the Father has sent me. He said, of my own will, I can do nothing. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So we have to understand Jesus. This is going to relate directly back to us, and we're going to connect to this here in a second. Jesus, equal with God, fully God. He was always God, always has been God, always will be God. Co-equal, part of a trinity, a triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus humbled himself beneath the will of the Father. He humbled himself beneath the created angels, he humbled himself beneath man himself. Jesus went as low as he could possibly go in order to lift us up. So Christ humbles himself, sets aside his will, and takes on the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is that we would have a way to return to him. We get this? Understanding understand this? So Jesus humbles himself beneath the will of the Father. The Father's will was that mankind had separated ourselves from him. The Bible uses the word offense. We've offended God. That's what it means. There's different types of sin. There's two different words for sin in the scripture. We teach this here just so that we can understand the dynamics of sin. There's the sin that leads unto death, which is the offense, which means we've pushed God away. Then there's the sin that causes you to miss destiny. The sin that leads to offense is when we return to Jesus, we become born again. The sin of offense or the sin of condemnation is removed from the life of the Christian. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, like what we've done is we've pushed God away. Our ancestors pushed him away. Isaiah says it like this All we like sheep have gone astray, each one of us to our own way, offending God. To offend means to push away. We've pushed God away, and the Lord has laid upon him, that is Christ, the iniquity of us all. So to become born again, a person has to deal with the iniquity of rejecting God. There are not many gods, there's one. There's not many ways to God. There's one, right? There is a God. The Bible says the fool in his heart says there is no God. So we return to God by calling Jesus Lord. And the reason that we have to call Jesus Lord is because we've called ourselves Lord. If you don't believe that man calls, calls himself Lord, just look around you. Look around you. We have the idolatry of the mind and the idolatry of the heart. In other words, we worship what we think. We think that what we think is God. If we don't believe it and perceive it, then it cannot possibly be real. Well, I don't believe there is a God. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe. That that does not matter. Truth is what matters. I don't believe, I tell Christians, I don't believe in gravity, but if I get up on a building and I jump, gravity is gonna talk to me all the way down, right? You believe in me now? Oh, you know, Jesus is real, whether we believe him or not. Man Man is so arrogant that we think in our own conscience, we can excuse him away simply by not believing in him. That's complete delusion. You can't say, well, I don't believe in him, so therefore he's not there. That, again, is the height of our sin. We think we're God. We think we hold the power over everything, and we don't. And so when we return to Christ, we have to acknowledge him as Lord. To become born again, you are surrendering your life. It's not just a prayer, and you're not, sent, you're not signing an insurance policy. According to the gospel, it is a conversion upon which you have surrendered your life. Your life has been taken from you and the life of Christ is now imparted to you. That's why you're like, wow, I'm born again because the life of Jesus has just come inside of you. And so we have to understand Christ came and he humbled himself and he became low in order to reveal the Father. This has very important implications for the Christian because we have got to understand this concept. Jesus came to reveal to us the father so if we understand that God is our father then we must be what what are we sons and daughters right to all who received him he gave them the power to become the sons and daughters of God that's what it says even to those who believe on his name not all are the children of God this again let me just blow this one right out of the water well we're all God's children no we're not we're all God's creation we are not all God's children fact I don't like that. What doesn't matter? That's the fact. You become God's child when you receive Christ as Lord. You're adopted into the family. If Jesus is not your Lord, you are not God's child. You are his creation, but you are not his child. We are born again, born into the family of God through Christ alone. Apart from Christ, we are born unto sin. We are created by God, not by the sin. We are created, but we are not his children. So it's important to understand that. The Christian is unique. We are separated from all others upon the earth. We are the apple of God's eye. We are the family of God. And guess what? The bread is for the children. Mm -hmm. The children sit at the table. The children get what the Father offers. We're not dogs. We're not outcasts. You are not equal with the unbeliever. You are not. You say, God loves the unbeliever. Yes, he does. But he loves those of his household more. If he loved us while we were sinners, how much more does he love us now? So the Bible says the level, the level of love increases when we become his child. He gives nations for the ransom for his children. He'll throw Egypt to the wind in order to save his children. He'll give up, he'll give up industries. He'll do whatever he's got to do, but he will bless his children. You are not ordinary. you got to get that in your head. you got to get it in your heart, and you got to begin to understand who you are. The the church, in the name of humility, has dumbed it down to the degree that we're just a bunch of powerless nothingness. That is not the gospel. That is not the Bible. Nowhere does it know that, does it do that. Jesus summons you to your identity. He calls you to rise to who you are. And he calls you to take your rightful place. This is what the Bible does. We do. Well, we're just going to sit here and just be humble. I'm just a wicked sinner saved by grace, just waiting for Jesus to come. And man, I'm just going to make it into the kingdom by the skin of your teeth. No, you're not. No, you're not. The glorious king has paid the price in full. Nobody makes it into the kingdom by the skin of their teeth. The door swung wide. Your inheritance is a different story. But salvation its not the skin of your teeth. It's by the blood of the lamb. And it's paid. It's paid. So there you are. We've got to understand who we are. We've got to understand that we are not ordinary. We've got to understand that we have an inheritance. We've got to understand that we have a father and that we are sons and daughters. And we cannot see ourselves or think of ourselves in any other way. To think of yourself less than that is to dishonor what he has done for you. We think we're being humble. Oh, well, no, Lord, but you're actually dishonoring him. Fear not, little ones. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know what he wants you to do with your inheritance? Spend it. Spend it. He didn't want you to save it. Jesus didn't give you anything to save. Did he give not that talents to those men? Did he give the parable of the talents? Did he tell them to save it? The Bible says the master committed talents, some four, some three, some one, to them. And did he say, I want you to save this. I want you to put it in a bank. That's what I want you to do. Bury it in the backyard. We all know how that went, right? He wants you to spend what he has given you. And you say, well, what if I spend it all? Guess what? Say it with me. There's always more. You have a God of abundance. There is no lack in heaven, nor will there ever be. Heaven's not been broke. Heaven has never had an economic crisis. Heaven has not had an emotional or spiritual crisis, not once. Nor will it ever be. The devil is constantly pushing you into your diminished state. And God is constantly calling you into the state of abundance. He is the Satan always points to what you lack. And the Jesus and the Holy Spirit are pointing to what you have. And the choice is yours. Who are you gonna believe? You can't blame God. You have the power of choice. Are you gonna believe the diminished view that the devil wants to point you to and what you lack and what you don't have and all this other stuff? Are you gonna believe what the Holy Spirit tells you? All things are yours. All things are yours. That kingdom is yours. All things that pertain to life and godliness are yours in Christ Jesus. That sounds like a lot better deal to me. Who are you going to believe? The spiritual kingdom operates through alignment of choice. The devil could do nothing in the garden until he got the man to agree. He could do nothing. He had no power at all until it was given to him. Read your Bible. Jesus could not perform miracles in Nazareth because they wouldn't let him. God himself could not partner with the miraculous until the people agreed. He was God. He could have did anything he want. That's what people say. Well, read your Bible. He could do no miracles in Nazareth because they rejected him. They rejected him. They refused to see him for who he was. They refused to partner with the miraculous. Therefore, nothing happened. Devil could do nothing in the garden until Adam said, okay, then it happened. Do you understand the power of choice? Do you understand the power of thinking? Israel did not inherit the promises because they chose to think from the diminished perspective. Joshua, the 10, 12 spies, we guys know the story, right? Coming out of Egypt, send in the spies, come back. Oh, we can't take it. We don't have enough. We're a bunch of beggars. We don't have any rocks. We got rocks, we got sticks and bricks, man. They got chariots, swords, giants. They got the whole thing. Joshua goes, none of that matters. We have the Lord. And if Jesus says he will do it, then Jesus will do it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. And it's not our job to figure out how it's going to get done. Our job is to simply partner with what his word. We partner with what he said. But the people, through the power of choice, decided to go with the majority. That should tell you something about the majority. They decided to go with the majority, and they lost their Inheritance. Did God take their inheritance from them? God didn't take anything from them. The inheritance was there. They just didn't want to go get it. They made a choice to not have it. You understand that? You get that? You don't think your choice matters? You don't think spiritual, you don't think alignment with the spirit matters? You don't think decisions matter? Whose voice are you going to receive? Which direction are you going to go? It is a constant battle of voices. In case you didn't know that. It began in the garden. Would the Lord say, who told you that? So clearly, we have an ongoing battle of voices. You're going to fail. No, you're going to succeed. You're going to fail. No, you're going to succeed. Who are you going to believe? We can take the land. No, we can't. We can take the land. No, we can't. God is for you. No, he isn't. God is for you. No, he isn't. I mean, it's a constant battle of voices, guys. Constant. And you have to make up your mind that I don't care if you think I'm stupid. You might think I'm naive. You might think I'm foolish, but I'm believing Jesus. I'm going with this. (laughs) I got one check to write, and I'm writing it, and I'm cashing it over here. Right? I got one life to give, and I'm giving it here. I'm not giving it over here. I refuse to waste my time and my energy into foolish things. I refuse to follow the crowd. I want the narrow way. I want the high calling. I want the mountain. You should, too. You should, too. Come on. That's right. Jesus came to reveal the father. Next slide, please. What does this mean? How did he do that? So everything Jesus did, if you're reading your Bible from your perspective and you see everything he did was to reveal the father. So when he performed a miracle, he was saying, your father is powerful. Your father cares. Your father sees. That's what he did. The father is loving. He pushed every button that could be pushed, right? I think it's John chapter five. Jesus goes and heals a blind man. They're like, "Oh my gosh," they d- they didn't even ask, or don't no, take up your bed mat. They didn't even ask. Like you know, they weren't even astounded at the miracle. They were just freaked out because it happened on the Sabbath. Why are you doing walking? Hey man, weren't you lame? Why are you walking around on the Sabbath? Who the, the man who healed me told me I could walk. Who told you you could be healed? How dare you say Jesus heals? Who are you? I want you to bring that woman up here. You told me somebody was healed of hepatitis C? Absolutely. Completely cured. Free. First, in between first services. She just testified. And if I'd have got her to stick around a little bit more, I would have brought her up here if we'd have had the time. And I would say, testify. Incurable disease, not in Jesus' economy. Not in his world, people. We manifest it through right fuel use and continued practice. But we will manifest these miracles. We see miracles here. You know why? Because we pray for miracles. We see people here. Why? Sherry asked if you, probably six or eight people raised their hand that's received healing here. Why is that? Because we pray for people to be healed. People of churches don't see miracles because they don't pray for the miracle. Just like the Pharisees. How dare you? Who told you you could be healed? Who told you that? Who told you you could walk around with a mat? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? I'm sorry. The dude was lame and He's walking. Does anybody not get that? We're the same way. Oh, I don't know about that. That's some psychosomatic healing. I'm not too sure about that because God doesn't heal today. Yeah. That's how we are. Fools. Kingdom walks right past us and we don't even know it. Jesus said you discern the sky and you can tell the weather. But can you discern when I'm visiting you? Can you discern your visitation? Can you tell when I'm among you? You can look at the weather channel and go, "Oh, it's going to rain tomorrow." That's basically what he was saying but you can't discern an hour of visitation? You are so dull in the spirit that you can't tell when I'm in your midst? We started this church, man. Crazy story. Nuts. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't want to get into much in it, but we had a lot of crazy activity. And it was like, I didn't even know what to do, but there was a lot of things happening. I won't get into it. Some positive, some negative. And I was asking the Lord, what am I doing? What the heck is going on? And the Lord said, if I cast out, Satan by the finger of God, surely the kingdom has come among you. I saw lots of demonic deliverance when we first started this church. I was freaking out. I didn't even want to do it anymore because I was way over my head, way over my head. And you think it's that easy? Well, just come join me next time it happens. I'll bring you right up to the front <laughs> row. Give it a shot. I'm in there with other Christians. I'm like, go for it. And they're like, no way, man. You do You do it. It's not the person, it's the demon, right? It's not, it has nothing to do with the person. People are traumatized and demonized and all kinds of nonsense. But we saw a lot of it. God, got me, God made me good at it. Why? Because I had no choice. I had no choice. I had to do it. And so I had to learn and I had to practice and I had to practice again and practice again and practice again until I became a Jedi. Huh? I, I, I mean, yeah, it's like that. And I asked the Lord what's going on. And he said, If I'm casting out the devil with my finger, the kingdom is among you, Kevin. You don't think this is the kingdom? This is the gospel. This is the light confronting the darkness, the darkness that has never been confronted. The kingdom is here. We don't break cancer's back because cancer has not been confronted. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't say I have the answers. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it like it is and we have got to contend and press in and push and and do not be denied the things that are rightfully ours and not let foolish people talk you out of what your father said. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what the Christian down the street said. Jesus put the unbelievers out of the room. If you're struggling with something and you got all these voices in your head and all these people around you going, well, put them out of the room. The woman isn't dead, she's sleeping. Ha 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 ha. They laughed Jesus to scorn. They practically rolling on the floor. They laughed him, they laughed at him to the point of like stupidity. That's what it means. That's what it said. And you know what Jesus said? Ah ha. You're gonna laugh at me. Okay, that's cool. All right, so I need this whole group of laughers to go right outside. Because you will not see, you will not taste, you will not feel, and you will never experience my glory. Stand outside. That's what he did. Read your Bible Bible's a little more softer than I put it. But that's exactly what happened. He put them all out of the room. We have to believe God for the power. We have to believe God for the kingdom. Jesus came to reveal a father who was present and powerful. He came to reveal him and he came to tell you, you are a son and a daughter and you have been given the right of inheritance. You inherit what your father has. Right. Do I need to explain that? Right. We understand that from our culture. We are the heirs of our father's household. That's whether your parents have anything, but that's a cultural understanding. We are the heirs of our heavenly father's household. We are the sons and daughters, salt of the earth, light of the world. That's who we are. We are nothing short of that. So we have to accept that, take our place, and begin to pursue the things that are ours. Relentlessly, tirelessly, faithful unto death, Christian. And we'll get to that. Why does it matter? Jesus, when he did the woman with an adultery, he he told her, no one will have compassion on you. I will have compassion on you. Did the people want to have compassion on that woman? Not at all. I told first service they wanted to beat her down with rocks and go home and eat chicken salad. That's what they wanted. I'm going to stone this girl and go home and have a chicken sandwich. That's what I'm going to do. Jesus said, that is not the will of my father. That is not my will. And he said, if any of you are better than her, then throw the rock. If not, then put it down and go home. Nobody put the rock down and went home. Jesus said, listen, no one's going to have compassion. Your father has compassion. Nobody wants you. Your father wants you. You should always tell yourself that. Jesus is for you even when you're against yourself. Zacchaeus, companionship with Zacchaeus. So here we have Zacchaeus. You guys know the story, right? Zacchaeus up in the tree. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, very rich guy, had a lot of money, loaded, controlled the whole town essentially. Jesus is coming through his town. Zacchaeus is a little short guy. So he goes and stands up in a tree. Jesus sees him up in a tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house for tea. Well, what's the story here? Jesus is showing him that the father wants companionship. He's showing that not only does he want companionship with the worst person in town, he'll go to their house and have dinner. But it gets better than that. Zacchaeus represents a system. Zacchaeus was part of a worldly system, a financial system, an oppressive system. And Zacchaeus was at the top of the ladder. Wealthiest, most powerful, most influential man in the world. When he came down from the tree and he stood before the kingdom, the system that Zacchaeus represented was insignificant, was inferior to the kingdom that was presented to him. That's why the Bible emphasizes his height. He was short compared to the stature that was standing in front of him. Zacchaeus' kingdom and Zacchaeus' world could not measure up to the world that was being presented to him. No matter what you do, it is meant to be integrated into the kingdom of God. Make money, but for the kingdom of God. Serve people. Do whatever it is you do. I don't know what you do or what your motives are or what your intentions are. But whatever you do, it is inferior unless it is connected to the kingdom of God. Inferior. Zacchaeus had no stature. J- Jesus goes to his house, has tea with him, and he's so moved because Jesus was calling him into a new place. That's what he did with the woman in adultery. We think Jesus is passive of sin. He is not. Jesus looks past the sin and calls you into a future. He says, yeah, yeah, I see that. But do you want to be like that? Is that really what you want to be? Because I've got something better for you if you want it. That's how he operates. You can stay in the mud if you want to stay in the mud. But Jesus doesn't leave you in the mud. He calls you to someone in some place that is greater than you. Go and sin no more. This is not who you are. That is who you are. Zacchaeus, being in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus at his table was so moved that Jesus was welcoming him into his company that Zacchaeus said, whatever I've taken from anyone, I'm going to repay. Whatever I've stolen, I'm going to give it back. I'm no longer going to be a dishonest person. I'm going to do this honestly, and I'm going to use my resources for the glory of God. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. And Jesus said to him, surely the kingdom has come upon this house. He encountered Jesus, completely transformed, everything shifts new identity comes it happens Jesus cares Jesus wants companionship he shows this father that he this is who this father is why does it matter because everything comes back to family the kingdom of god is not a government it is not a religion a human government it is not a corporation and it is not a religion it is a family father sons and daughters the church itself is a family we are brothers and sisters that's who we are we're created as brothers and sisters So it's imperative that we understand that concept of father, but that we understand that Jesus has called us to be sons and daughters. Hebrews says this, we we see Jesus who was made lower than the angels. See, there he humbled himself. He went all the way down for the suffering of death. He became humble in order that he might die. Be crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God, he would taste death for you. He died for you. There's the story. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by him are all things. So the creator died for the creation, that he might bring, what? Why did he do it? To bring many sons and daughters to glory. So there's our phrasing. Jesus died not just to save you, but to bring sons and daughters into the glory, which is the goodness. You understand terms here at Elevate. Glory means goodness. Bring sons and daughters into the goodness of God that's what he did. So we're called, Christ died, that we would become sons and daughters. You have to see yourself. Everything you do, it's because you're a son and daughter. You don't do it for any other motivation. I am Christ. I am the son of my heavenly father. Does this bring honor to my heavenly father? This is who I am. Everything is done from that perspective. Next slide. Does this make sense? You guys are really quiet. Yeah. have got a couple of nodders, so yeah. <laughs> Understanding your identity and sons and daughters and the implications. You know why? Because you have a heavenly father that is extremely good. And he is extremely kind. I don't care what the devil told you. Your heavenly father is extremely good all the time. And he is extremely kind. He has crazy love for you. And you can can have and live from his love and his restoration. That's what you got to understand. Jesus and your father is for you even when you're against yourself. That's who he is. He loves you even when you don't love you. He is for you even when you're not. He loves you. He's crazy loving for you. Say this with me. My heavenly father is greater than I think. Therefore, I must change the way I think. We have got to change our thinking to accommodate who God is. We limit God to the limitness of our understanding. Again, it's idolatry of the mind and heart. We have got to open up and understand him from the perspectives that he says he is. And you cannot do that with your intellect. Human intellect will not understand God. The Lord is understood from the spirit through the imagination. The imagination is the room that's big enough to hold the Lord. You can imagine some pretty crazy things, right? You can't think about the impossible, but you can imagine the impossible. Because your mind is constantly working again. Well, that's not possible. You can't possibly walk on water. That's Your know, mind is kind of clicking through all of the limitations of that, but your imagination has no problem with that. You can see that. You're like, yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, I can totally see that. It's your imagination. And so we understand who God is, not through our mind, but through the spirit and through the imagination. What kind of worshipers is the Father looking for? Help me out. Jesus said the Father seeks those who will worship him in what? There it in true. That's right. So it's in the spirit into truth. So, we have a father who is extremely good. He's greater than the way that we think. We have to change the way we think. We have to believe that God loves us. He is for us. He is not against us, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter what your emotions are telling you, no matter what your circumstances are telling you. It is a determined force of will. My God is for me. I don't want to hear anything else because that is the truth. If God is for us, who could be against us? Am I wrong? I mean, it's over and over again in the scripture that it is emphasized there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. It's emphasized. And you've got to learn that. We learn joy. You know how babies learn joy? Anybody know how babies learn joy? How's your baby learn to smile, Charmaine? Because you smile at her. We learn joy. Our babies learn joy when we give them joy. They look up at the shining face of their caregiver and they're happy. And the baby begins to emulate the happiness that is brought upon by the shining face of their caregiver. We have got to learn to see the love of our Father shining on us, that he loves you. People go, well, wait a minute, but, but if we just think it like that, doesn't that mean that we just got, we'll just go off and do everything? No, because if you really understand the love of God, you want to follow him. The Bible says the love of Christ compels me. I don't follow Jesus because I'm under some rule. I follow Jesus because nobody loves me like he does. Somebody needs to write a song off that. Nobody loves me like he does. Come on, show me. Nobody loves me like he does. Nobody loves me like he does. That's why I follow him. Nobody is good to me like he is. And it is whatever the master wants because nobody loves me like he does. Nobody. The shining face of your beloved father upon you will change you, will change you. And you've got to see that he is your father and that you're his son. You're like, I don't feel like his son. You are. You take, this is what I told first service, you don't know what you're doing. So I don't know what it means to be a son of God. No, nobody does. You know what you do? You put on his ornaments and you stand before him. You put on his garments. He, He clothes you. Garments of praise, okay. Garments of spirit, okay. And what do I do? I stand before him. And in, my, in his presence, he will teach me what it means to be a son before him. In his presence, he will teach me how to walk with him. This is what he does. We have got to understand this. So we can't run away from it just because we don't think that way or we don't feel that way. We are. You're not going to be, a, if you're in Christ, if Jesus is your Lord and you've given your heart to him, you are a son or you are a daughter. You're not going to be, you are right now. You may not be acting like it. You may not be presenting it. It may be completely foreign to you, but in the spirit, you are that. The Bible uses the word translated. You have been translated. Something has happened to you. You are different. And the enemy is constantly trying to diminish your identity. You gotta know that. The Lord never diminishes your identity, ever. He loves the lions, people. You are a descendant of a lion. Do you get that? The blood of a lion is in your veins. The blood of a conqueror is in your veins. This is who he is. And he is the mac daddy lion who likes to walk around in the pride. And he likes strong lions around him. And he wants his sons and daughters to be lions and lionesses and conquerors and world changers. That's who he is. You see the difference when you see how you are? You see the difference when you start understanding who you are? Totally different, totally different. This is the church that we gotta think this way. We've gotta understand it this way. Nothing will happen without it. We need to see and know that we're sons. We need to live from that understanding. If you understand that you are a son of God and that God is your father through Christ, you will understand who you are, you understand what you are, and you understand why you are. It's gonna answer all of the questions you've been trying to figure out. You won't need Dr. Phil to tell you who you are. The Bible will tell you, you are son and daughter of God. That's who you are. That's not only who you are, that is what you are. You are different than anybody else on this planet. You are an inheritance. You have the access to that world. They, the people do not. Only the believer has access to his world. Only the believer. What greatness are the riches that we have in Christ. And how we are, and then how we live life. Next slide. John 17, Jesus tells four things. He gives four things. He's praying and he's talking to the Father and he's talking to the Father about what he's done as a son and he's indicating for us that there are four things that a son and daughter are to do. He said, I've glorified your name upon the earth. That's one. I have finished the work that you've given me. That's two. I've manifested your name to the men who are with me and I've given forth your words. And then he goes on to say, as the Father sends me, so I send you. So what Jesus is saying is, I came to reveal the Father, now it's your job. That is the transference upon the church. He says this twice in the scripture. And I tell Christians, anytime Jesus says it once, it's important. But if he says it twice, you better pay attention. Because he doesn't waste words. When he says, "As as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So Jesus is saying, I was sent to represent the Father. So now you are sent to represent the Father. To reveal the Father to the world. How did Jesus do it? Number one, he brought his glory to the earth. That is the goodness of God. So Jesus brought about the goodness of God. What is that? That looks like, to me, that's your average social, well-being, good services. That's what the goodness of God is. That's visiting people in hospital. That's feeding the orphan. That's establishing good works and being nice to people through the Spirit. You can't be nice to people without the Holy Spirit, so you know that. So let's just get that clear. So don't beat yourself up because you're not a nice person without the Holy Spirit because you're really not. Say, no, that's true. No, No, somebody's going to agitate you. But get in the spirit and people agitate you way less. I'm just saying. Anybody here with me? I know maybe you all don't get agitated, but you know, we'll just put you in a traffic jam outside when you got to be somewhere and we'll see how agitated, how you work out there. But anyway, so what are we to do as sons and daughters? We're to bring the goodness of God, the way we treat people, the way we treat ourselves. How do you treat yourself? Are you kind to you? Are you gracious to yourself? Be gracious to others from the spirit. Here's the second thing. To bring the goodness of God means we honor what the Lord honors. Say it with me. I I will honor what the Lord Lord honors. What does he honor? Well, these are just a few things. God honors marriage. He doesn't honor domestic partnerships. He doesn't honor a marriage in the way that the world is forming marriages. I know that's a shock, and I know that doesn't sound loving, but that is a twisted way that the world has presented it. That is not the gospel. Amen. It is a distortion of a truth that God has given. So do I honor marriage as, do I honor my own marriage? Do I honor marriage for what it is in the way that God honors it? What honor means, let me just explain to you what honor means. Honor has nothing to do with agreement. Here again, we go back to our idolatry. We think that we, we, if we disagree, then we must be right. It, not with the Lord, Sorry. You know, we honor. What honor means is you submit, you come beneath, and you lift up. That's what honor means. You hold high. Doesn't mean you, you know, there's lots of things I hold high that I don't agree with, but because my father said this is what he wants, that's what I give him. That's the job of a son and daughter is to give the father what he's asking for. Do we honor marriage? Do we honor servitude? Oftentimes, Jesus honors servitude. The son became a servant. We often tend to look down on servitude, We look down on others who will serve. We actually look down on it from our perspective. Oh, I'm above that. As a Christian, you should never be above anything. You're a servant. God honors servitude. God honors love. What is love? Seeking the highest good. God honors adding value to other people. Do you add value to other people? God honors the spirit and power. You would be shocked how many Christians don't honor spirit and power. They act like the Holy Spirit's just a name. They just, you know, just keep him over there, you know, we're going to talk about him, but we're not going to really see him do anything. He's just, he's there if we want him somewhere out there. I don't know, he's around. God honors spirit and power, in case you don't know that. All blasphemy against the Son, all blasphemy against the Father will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not. That was given in the context of a healing miracle. Jesus just performed a healing miracle, and they profaned the miracle, and they said, that's not of God. And Jesus said, Really? And he said, well, you can profane me, you can profane the Father, but you will not profane the Spirit nor His work. What does it tell you? Above all, God holds up the honor of His, holds up the honor of His Spirit. And so we, we need to believe the Lord for what it is that He honors. He honors generosity. Do we honor generosity? Are you generous? Do you have open hand? God honors generosity. He withholds nothing from you. God honors kindness. He honors truth. He honors courage. When we operate in these things, we are bringing the goodness of God to the world. And we only do it by the Spirit. So the key is to get in the Spirit. I don't mind. People go, oh, you say you're a Christian. I'm like, look, man, I don't act like a Christian sometimes. I'll tell people that. I don't care. I go, let me get in the Spirit. Let me show you what Jesus is really like. Hold on a second. All right, Holy Spirit, come. Woo, all right, now let's go. What are we talking about now? Now I can talk to you like I'm a Christian because now I'm in the Spirit. You get it? Because I'm not in the Spirit sometimes. People annoy me. You're a pastor. I know. I know. I don't have any, you don't have any guilt trips on me, man. Oh, good job, pastor. I'm like, well, I did, you know, okay. (laughs) You know, in the spirit, I'm like, woo! in the spirit, I actually impress myself sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, in the spirit, you're like, wow, that was awesome. What did I just do there? (laughs) Come on. What does he say? We bring the goodness. It's how we bring the goodness. We do it until it's complete. We are not to quit, Christian. You are never to quit. We do the work until it's done. We pursue the things of God until they happen. We don't quit. You have to understand you've taken a blood oath. You came to Christ. You gave your life away. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. You know what that means? You die before you break fellowship. You die before you break covenant. I prayed five times and it didn't happen. Pray 50,000 times. Continue to pray until you have no breath in your body. I prayed and nothing happened. That's what you see Elijah when he prayed and his servant went seven times. It's not seven times. It's not the number. The idea of the seven is seven is the number of completion. Elijah prayed until the pan broke through. Naaman dipped in the water seven times. It wasn't the seven. Naaman dipped in the water until his leprosy was gone. He wasn't going one, two. Three. That's not what the Bible's indicating. It gives us seven so that we understand he did it until it was done. We get that? This is what the Bible said. Jesus said, I have finished the work. I did it until it was done. Whatever he has told you to do, whatever he has set before you, we don't quit. Next slide, please. We manifest his name. So we make his glory known. These are natural works by the Spirit. We manifest his name. These are supernatural works. The word manifest is coming from one world to another. We manifest his name. We as believers, as sons and daughters, need to walk in supernatural signs and wonders. We as Jesus' sons and daughters, the Father's sons and daughters, need to learn to walk in supernatural signs and wonders. We need to be trained in the way of the Spirit and begin to walk in those things. All Christians should be trained in supernatural awareness. I'm not saying you're gonna walk down the grocery store prophesying to people everywhere. It's not what I'm saying, but you need to be acclimated to it. You need to be familiar with the terms and you need to be familiar with the atmosphere and you need to be familiar with the presence when he's activating. All of you need it. We all do. Why? Because that's what Jesus is saying. I manifested his kingdom. Told you guys stories, man. You know, I had to keep this one. I was at the grocery store. I was at, uh, and there. Sherry sends me back in for tomato soup or something, man. I don't even know. I'm like, oh, it was at Walmart. So if you ever shopped at Walmart, it's like, oh, my God. It's like the, the grocery line is going to be like an hour, and i got to get tomato soup. She's like, I need it. I need soup. I need tomato soup. So anyway, I go back in. Walking down the aisle, boom. There's this mom with a kid. felt like, boom. I like walked into a wall, and I'm, like, I'm looking at the kid, and I'm looking at the soup, and I kept seeing a couple things in the spirit. So I started talking to him. I just said, hey, man. I go, you play sports? And he said, yeah. I go, well, he goes, I'm not playing right now. I go, what's your favorite sport? He goes, football. What I was seeing in my spirit, I kept seeing a bridge. And I kept seeing this kid playing football, and I seen a bridge going to college. That's what I was seeing in my spirit. And so I told him, I said, I see that you, you know, the football is going to make a bridge for you to go into these other things. I just started sharing with them what I felt like the Lord was saying. And I looked at the lady. I said, look, I'm a Christian. So I'm just, I'm, a, I'm just, I feel like the Lord has a word for your son. And she's like, oh, I receive it. I receive it. You know, she's got both her hands up in the Walmart aisle. And so, you know, but what was that? What was, what was it? This is a more, so we have simple things that we reveal the will of the father through. We can do simple things. Then we have a little bit more of a sophisticated thing. And the sophisticated awareness of the spirit, it comes through the manifestation of the spirit. Does this make sense to you guys? You understand in this? We are sons and daughters. We are to do, do, be like Jesus as the Father sent him. So we, may, we bring his glory on the earth. We don't quit. We manifest his will. And we establish his word. What does that mean? So we are to learn supernatural things. We are learned learn to walk in supernatural ways. We have people that go through the school of the prophetic here. And they come out and are like, I can't believe I can actually prophesy. Of course you can. Of course you can. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Of course you can hear the voice of the Lord. Of course you can. Every Christian can prophesy. Would God not that all his people prophesy? And if you don't understand what prophetic word is, we, you know, go to the school of the prophetic and we'll teach you. But you can get word and see what God is saying. It's completely possible. Immediately. I did it with a group of kids one time and, and the whole thing happened. And I got them going and in like 10 minutes, Sherry's like, we did a camp out, right? Is, I'll just give you some dynamics into our marriage here. So <laughs> we, did a, she, we did a camp out for a bunch of youth, and she like, okay. And I was completely unprepared. And she's like, uh, all right, so um, they're all at the campfire, and so uh, uh, I need you to go over there and do something spiritual with them. I'm like, what? And she, I'm like, now? She's like, yeah, no, not right now, just like in five minutes or something like that. Just go over there and do something spiritual with the kids. I'm like, what? So I'm like, all right. So I'm just kind of going over there. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to activate them. I'm going to get them to hear the Lord. And I'm going to get started and get them to prophesy to each other. And they were all kind of skeptical against it, man. But once it started, I couldn't get them to stop. They're all prophesying. Remember that? They're all prophesying. They all start prophesying. All, with about 20 minutes, they're all prophesying. Why? Because they have the Holy Spirit in them. Spirit of prophecy. It's who he is. Anyone can. You can acquire higher levels of it and grow in it just like anything else. But you can prophesy. We have to learn these things. There's a purpose for these things. It's how we reveal the Lord to these things, to these people. We were eating uh, dinner. We had a breakfast. Uh, we've got lots of stories like this. But there was one I was having. We were having burgers down in at this restaurant, and this waitress kept up coming up to us. And of course, Hank, he'll put me out there, you know. Then I, so you know what I do when I go to breakfast or go eat with Hank. I try to put him out there now. <laughs> Hank goes, uh, he goes, uh, so Kevin, you got a word for this waitress? I'm like, what? Like now? Right Right? a second? You know, And so now I start putting him out there. Hank, you got a word for her? But anyway, I started giving her this word. And I kept saying, you know, you're a mother. And I kept seeing a girl. I said, a little girl. And then I named a name. I can't even remember the name I named. And I said, I see you as a mother. And I said, I don't know if this is in the future. I said, are you a mom? She said, no, not at all. I said, well, I think in the future you're going to have, a, you know, maybe you're going to be a good mom. And, and I see this daughter, and I named a name. She takes like three steps back. And she looks at me. Didn't she? This is this crazy? And she said, my best friend just had a baby, and it was a daughter, and it was named the name that I named, and she said, and she made me the godmother. So this was like Stephanie. I said, I see and I said, the door, and I see like a name, and I think it's Stephanie or something like that. She goes, "So my best friend just had a baby, named the baby Stephanie, is a girl, and I'm the godmother. Well, what was the point of that? To reveal the father. So off of that word, I said to her, you see that God sees you. You see that God above sees you, and he cares. You see, he loves you. He loves you enough to speak to you in this room, in this environment. And it just opened up a whole world of conversation. You want to witness to people? Learn to prophesy. You'll never have, I used to go to cold call evangelism. I'm all down. I mean, I'd be out on the street, boom, 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 handing people out, walking up to people. Hey, man, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm down with cold call evangelism. I used to do it all the time. But start prophesying. Learn to get a prophetic word. And God will speak. And you walk up and you go, hey, You play football, man. Yeah, what's your best word? No, no, no. You know, so I feel like the Lord is saying this to you. And then the are like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Whole conversation. I could have talked to her for a half an hour about Jesus. Off of a word. Opened up the whole thing. Same thing with that girl in the restaurant. She's, she started crying at the table and everything, right? She's bawling. You know? Crazy. The, the issues of the heart are revealed. The father comes into the room. The presence. That's the manifestation. Who can bring that? The sons and the daughters. Only you. Huh? Only you and only me. No one else can bring that. We bring that. We establish his word. We, we set up our responsibility as Christians is to establish churches that teach the gospel. Your responsibility, my responsibility is to establish churches that teach the gospel. We have given the words that you have spoken. This is how the word God has spoken goes forth. It's through the establishment of churches. Yes, there are other ways, but this is the primary way. Are all teachers? No. But all support and play a role in the church. These are the ways. If we do not operate in these ways, we are not fully operating as sons and daughters. So if you're a Christian and you belong to a church and you will not support that financially, spiritually, or with with your talents, you are not operating as a son and a daughter. Your responsibility is to establish it. I do a church, I pastor a church, because it's what my father wants. That's the only reason. I have no vainglory, I have no intention, I don't need to sign eight by tens, I don't need to be a rock star, only thing I'm trying to do is bring glory to the one who called me, and bring glory to the one who gave me something. You are responsible to take what you've given him and give him glory, and one of the primary responsibilities is to establish churches, establish churches. We are responsible as believers. It's not you, Jesus, in your Bible at home. That's not in the scripture. That's not in the gospel. The culture has diminished it to break the back of the church. Say, oh, there's a lot of bad churches out there. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones, too. You know? Find one, find this one, connect to it, be a part of it, grow through it, go through the processes and become who you're supposed to be. There's no lone rangers. There's no lone rangers. We're called into the family. We're not to walk alone. Get our Gifts, talents, and abilities, and resources. Last, the last two slides, real quick. I'm going to run through this. This is important. Say, so do we understand that we have a responsibility as sons and daughters? we understand that? We understand that God's a father, right? There's a whole movement of Christians, you know, more of the spiritual tribe. I love the spiritual tribe. I love the eclectics. I love the woo. You know, I'm with you. I'm like, woo, I got it. Like, woo, pastor, we're just sons and daughters. Woo. And I'm like, yeah, we are, aren't we? But do you know what that means? That means you have a responsibility. You have an ability to respond to the thing that God has called you to. Jesus said there was a son who told his father he would do something, and he didn't. There was another son who said, Father, I'm not going to do it, but he did it. And he said, which one is the son? Help me out. Which one's the son? The one who said he would do it and didn't, or the one who said he wouldn't and did? The one who did. The one who did. So Jesus equates being a son and daughter directly with obedience. It's not just a position, it's a responsibility. So not only that, he says, but you cannot fulfill your responsibility without the blessing of God. God says this, be merciful to us and bless us. Say this with me. Say, Father, Father, be merciful to me and bless me. Cause your face face to shine shine upon me that your way would be known in the earth and that your salvation among the nations. How is His way known in the earth and how is salvation among the nations? How is that known? By the mercy and the blessing of God upon the sons and daughters of God. That's the only way. What is the word mercy? It's the same Greek word as the word that we used last week. Charis, it means spiritual power. So what is he saying? Lord, bring spiritual power to us. That's the word charis, charismata. Bring spirit to us and bring us blessing. So that your and let your face shine upon us so that people would know that you are who you say you are. That's the point. You cannot do who you're said, who you're what you're supposed to do without the blessing of God. Say this with me. I have a responsibility to pursue the blessing of God. You are responsible to pursue the blessing of God. It's there. We are to pursue it. That's how it works. We are responsible. Is this the Bless Me Club? I tell people, yes, it is. I'm president of the local chapter. According to my Bible, I was created by God to be blessed. And without his blessing, nothing can happen. God created Adam and Eve and what? Blessed him. Noah came out of the ark and God blessed him. David took the throne and God blessed him. Over and over. Boom, 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 boom. You're created by God to be blessed. We have a responsibility to pursue it. You are not created or equipped to do what you're supposed to do or called to do without the blessing. What did Jacob want? What did blessing look like to him? Jacob wrestled with the Lord and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob said, I cannot stand myself. I will not let you go until you make me someone I am not. I will not let you go until you change me. And God blessed him. And then Jacob went from being Jacob to Israel. He went from being a heel catcher or a conniver to being a prince. Jabez says, "O oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed, that you would expand my territory, that I would not cause pain. But he asked for the blessing of God. And he said, Lord, bless me so that I bless others. Bless me so that my influence increases. Bless me so that I can do the things that you have called me to do. What is a blessing? It is what God can do for you that you cannot do for yourself. That is a blessing. You were created for blessing. As his people, as his sons and daughters, this is what it looks like. We are the recipients. Say it with me. I am am the recipient recipient of of all of his benefits. We are the recipients of his benefits in order that we would become the benefactors. Do we understand that? We receive from him in order that we may become the benefactors to the world around us. Most of your hospitals, if you go back in in history, were established by churches. Most of your orphanages were established by churches. We even today, we have Holy Cross. We have, you know, St. John's. We have all these different hospitals that were established by Christians. We have orphanages. The, the, The government wasn't doing it. Because the Christian was operating from the understanding of pulling the blessing of heaven and becoming the benefactor. What we've done in our generation is that the blessing is still released, but we've taken the blessing and we've gone over here and we put a pile of our own over here. You get what I'm talking about? The blessing is still flowing in the church, but we're not building hospitals We're not building uh, care centers. We're not building schools. We're not doing the things that the church used to do where they became the benefactors of the kingdom. What we're doing over here is we're going to go get us a house on the water. We're going to get us five cars in the driveway. Then we're going to go over here and get us a house on Los Angeles because I like to visit Los Angeles from time to time. So I got a house in New York. I got a house in Arizona. I got a house in L.A. I got a house in Florida. I got houses everywhere. And that's just on one level. But it trickles down to the whole Christian too at the same time. We just put our pile over here in the corner. I've got my pile because the blessing still flows, but we're not using it according to the methods that God has prescribed. We are to receive his benefits and become the benefactor. Say this with me Jesus, Jesus. will give it to me if he will get it through me. Is it all about finances? No. I know guys that have been incredibly blessed financially but refused to give to the kingdom. I've talked to them. I've had them look me right in the face and tell me no. Like, okay. You know what the Bible says? He puts leanness in the soul. They don't lose their money, but they have nothing spiritually. They're completely empty. There's leanness in their emotion. There's leanness in their spirit. There's, even a, there's a leanness in their life. There's a hole that's there because they're not fulfilling their God-given destiny. They're not operating according to the principles that God has set forth. Next slide. This is the last slide, I believe. How do we do this? You want to know how to be blessed? Everybody ready? Say this with me. Jesus, let me get this. Because I want to be, be blessed. Do you? Yes. Here's number one. You want to be blessed? You have got to believe that it is his will to prosper you. Jesus cannot help you if you don't help you. If you don't believe that it's God's intention to bless you, then you'll never be blessed. It looks like this. Jesus says, help me help you. you know what I'm saying? It's a partnership. We have to believe that it is his intention and it is his blessing to bless me. It is his will to bless me in order that I might establish his covenant in the land. Deuteronomy 8.18, this should be etched upon your mirror. The Lord my God has given me the ability to obtain wealth to establish his covenant in the land. Every single person in this room, according to my Bible, has a supernatural ability to generate wealth. Wealth of resources, wealth of intellect, wealth of creativity, wealth of of, uh, relational, you have an ability to generate wealth. Every one of you do. Every single one of us do. We have a creative ability to generate some form of wealth in order that God's covenant may be established, in order that there would be a blessing for his glory that would come out of that. You have it. It's not an if, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. It's there. So how do we do it? Number one, you've got to believe that it's his will to prosper you. If you don't believe that, nobody can help you. Nobody can help you. You have to believe it. You have to push everything aside and go, Lord, I believe it's your will to prosper me. And then once you get to that position, you have to submit yourself to the process. Here's where it gets real sticky. Yeah, right. Ouch. Right. You get people skipping around. Oh, I believe it's God's will to prosper me. It's God's will to prosper me. My question is this: Do you submit yourself to the process that's required for that blessing? Every blessing has a process attached to it. Every one of them. Right. What we'll do what the blessing requires? Here's what it says in marriage. Marriage looks like a partnership between two people in the Lord. If you want the blessing in marriage, the Bible says this. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wives, submit yourself in honor unto your husband. If there is no submission of honor, there is no blessing. If there is no love to the point of self-sacrifice, there is no blessing. If you want the bl- that's where all the problems in marriage comes from. Because the husband won't die to himself and the wife won't honor or respect him. Somehow love and respect has fallen to the wayside, and therefore now there is no blessing. If you want blessing in marriage, both partners have to work on the thing that they're responsible for. I'm responsible to bring love. She's responsible to bring respect. That's the foundation of marriage. It doesn't mean that I don't respect Sherry, and it doesn't mean that she doesn't love me. But My dominant responsibility is to bring love. Her dominant responsibility is to bring respect and honor. And when we both bring that to the marriage, there's blessing. You want blessing on your children? The Bible says, my children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. I hear parents say, oh, great's going to be the peace of my children. Not if they're not taught of the Lord. We get the picture? Upon every blessing, there is a process. There is a blessing with a condition attached to it. God will give your children great peace. And the word peace means flourishing. Great shall be the flourishing of my children. Why? Because they're taught of the Lord. Our children will flourish if we instill in them the gospel. Destiny. Finances. Can we talk finances? God's got a financial plan, right? And if we want the financial plan, we have to operate according to the process that he has laid out financially. Tithes and offerings are the financial plan. There is no other. There isn't another. Say, God's going to bless me financially. Not if you don't tithe. Not if you don't tithe. And if he does, it's not gonna be the blessing of fullness. It won't come from him. It might come from your own hand, but it's nothing. If you can achieve this much on your own, imagine what you could do with the spirit. Hello. Imagine what you could do with the spirit. If you can do that much by force of will, imagine the gift that you carry if you'll activate it in the spirit. Just imagine. Destiny, you want destiny? Destiny comes, Bible says, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. I don't know what my destiny is, I don't know my feet. Well, have you called upon the Lord? Have you called upon him and asked him what your destiny is, Christian? Don't complain about your destiny if you haven't called upon the Lord. Don't complain about your destiny if you haven't asked him. Then it tells you another place in Habakkuk that it says, write the vision and make it plain upon tables. What is it that you want? What is it that God's shown you? The Bible tells me to write it down, write it down, make it plain so that the one that reads it may run with it. For though the vision tarry, wait for it, it will surely come. The Bible has a condition upon destiny. It says, destiny will come to you if you will call upon the Lord, let him show you, and then write it down and begin to take the steps that, you have ta- that he has given you. Tony Robbins didn't come up with write down the vision. The Bible had write down the vision long before Tony Robbins ever came up with that concept. Change. You want to know how you change. The Bible says, how can a young man change his ways? How can a person change their ways? By taking counsel according to the word. You want to change your ways. You want to change your thinking. You want to be clean on the inside. Start reading your Bible. Reading your Bible and do it. Anybody want the restoration of wasted years? Here now, we're going to drive it right up into the driveway and I'm going to sit down on your couch. All right. Here it is. We all have some years that we'd like to get back, don't we? All of us. The Bible tells us in Joel chapter 2, return to the Lord. Clearly, there's something happened here where we were not doing the right thing with the Lord. So the Bible says, return to the Lord with weeping and fasting. In other words, with repentance. Lord, I completely jacked that up. I completely screwed that up. Lord, help me. It says, rend your heart and not your garment. In other words, let your repentance or your heart be sincere before me. And he says, and I will restore to you what the canker worm has eaten, what the palmer worm has eaten, what the consuming locust has eaten. And I will restore to you the waste. I don't even know what those things are. I have no idea. But that sounds like crazy. I don't know what it looks like, like consuming locusts. Can you just imagine like all these locusts, like consuming you? That's the picture of the Bible. Everything that's been consumed, God says, I'll give it back to you. All of the wasted years, I will give back to you. That is his promise. He will restore your years. He actually tells you, you will have restored youth. If you'll learn to worship him, they that wait, that is the idea of worshipful meditation, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. He will renew you like the strength of the eagle, but you must wait upon him. You must worship Him. You understand that? All of so if you want to be blessed, you've got to believe it's God's will to bless you. I'm down. You know what I'm saying? I proclaim blessing over my life. I proclaim favor wherever I go. I proclaim open doors. Men freely given to my I'm not going to tell you everything because you're going to think I'm crazy. But anyway, <laughs> men freely give to my hand. I'm blessed Am my coming in, blessed Am my going out. I declare over my life, I declare over you this morning that blessings God, of God pursue you and overtake you. Deuteronomy 28 says, these blessings shall overtake you if you will do the things the Lord says. See again, blessing, condition. Meet the condition, Christian. You gotta believe it's his will and you have to submit yourself to the process. Do what the blessing requires. And then he says, cause your face to shine upon us. What does that mean? It means asking the Lord to show you his delight in you. Lord, show me your delight in me. Teach me to see that you love me. Teach me to see your face shining upon me. Teach me to see these things. Being able to see yourself in light of the crazy love and the crazy favor that Jesus has for you. Okay? You guys get anything out of this? Yeah? All right. So there you are. Come on. Let me bless you. He's going to speak a blessing over you. This blessing comes from the book of Numbers, actually. And God told the priests that when you dismiss the people, you bless them this way. So I'm a biblicist. All right, that sounds good to me. It's called the Aaronic blessing, the blessing of Aaron. And he said, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he give you peace. And forever may you live in his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. We love you. Have a great week.